You're listening to The Tool Belt, a manufacturing podcast focusing on logistics, safety, operations, and breaking industry news. Welcome to the Tool Belt Podcast. Please enjoy this audio from a July 6th interview. Hello and good afternoon. This is Robert Schoenberger, Editor-in-Chief of Industry Week, and welcome to this week's Production Pulse. Tesla's NACS gains steam. We are looking at the rapid changes in the uh, vehicle charging world, electric vehicle charging world. Now that Ford, GM, Volvo, and several others are announcing they're going to adapt, uh, t- adopt Tesla's a North American charging system instead of the combined charging system standard that looked like it was heading uh, to be the, the dominant one uh, a few months ago. Uh, today, uh, joining me are Nathan Yang. Nathan is the chief product officer at Flow, a charging company, a EV charging station maker based in Canada with offices in the U.S. And Travis, uh, Travis Allen is the chief legal and public affairs officer at Flow. Nathan and Travis, thank you for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Mm-hmm. Yep. So with uh, several changes just in the past few weeks, again, Ford and GM announcing that they were going to use the Tesla standard mainly to tap into that giant supercharging network that Tesla has across the country, and then Ford following suit and Volvo following suit, and then uh, the Society for Automotive, SAE, sorry, no longer called the Society for Automotive Engineers, but SAE announcing they were going to work on global standards looks like the switch uh, that, that uh, NACS is quickly becoming the dominant charging choice in North America. Uh, so let's uh, start with you, Nathan. Are our charging station manufacturers or companies like Flow, are you concerned about the industry's uh, ability to settle on a single standard? Do you think it's necessary for, for one to become dominant? Yeah, I think, um, you know, regardless if we're centering on one standard or multiple standards, I think for us, we want to deliver the best ex- experience for EV drivers. Um, and so today, for example, we always support CHAdeMO uh, connectors and CCS connectors. And we knew that CHAdeMO over time was phasing out uh, because there's less and less vehicles supporting it. And now with NACS, uh, it's uh, a new connector standard uh, that we want uh, to support. We've been looking forward to offer it. Uh, a significant percentage, obviously, of our EV drivers that use our chargers um, are Tesla drivers. Um, and so now with this opportunity to uh, integrate and offer NACS connectors on our chargers natively, uh, that means that they won't need adapters like they need today, right, to be able to, to use our chargers. So in many ways, it helps improve the user experience for uh, Tesla EV drivers um, and other EV uh, drivers in the future as well. Uh, you mentioned a couple of the standards that are kind of following in uh, favor. Can you walk through just briefly what, what what's available on the market right now to charge uh, an electric vehicle? Yeah, in North America, um, it's largely CCS and CHAdeMO. Uh, they're they're the two primary types of connectors available today. Um, Nissan Leaf, obviously CHAdeMO. Mitsubishi Outlander is another model that that uh, uses a CHAdeMO. Those over time, the volumes have been declining and, and being phased out. Um, and so, um, you know, our chargers today um, can offer, for example, on our DC chargers, we can offer a Chatamo connector on one side, a CCS connector on the other. And so as an EV driver pulls in, regardless if they drive a Nissan Leaf or, or other vehicles, they will be able to charge. Um, and for today, for a Tesla driver, um, they will need a, uh, a CCS to Tesla NACS adapter, right, to be able to charge on our chargers. Um, and we've been eager 
to see this day where we can offer native connectivity. Um, and it's, it's uh, obviously happening with the latest uh, announcements. How difficult is it for, uh, on, on the manufacturing side, how difficult is it to offer you know, multiple types of connectors off the same charging station? Um, it is an extra uh, component depending on, on how the charging station is configured. Um, you know, for our current 50 and 100 kilowatt chargers, for example, um, we have two connectors. And so, you know, one, uh, so we have to offer two different types of connectors on the charger. On our um, newer Flow Ultra chargers, you can pick and choose what type of connector you want. So you can say, well, I want, uh, you know, two CCS, one CCS, one NACS, two NACS. Uh, you'll be able to choose. Um, and so it's very much uh, based on, um, you know, what for us following the lead of car manufacturers and making sure that we support uh, the major car brands um, and, and car ports, charging ports um, that are out there. And, you know, when they could even go wireless like your, your iPhone, right? We, we charge iPhones wirelessly. And if and when that day happens in the future, we'll have to support that as well. So uh, we're following the lead. Our focus is really just delivering the best possible charging experience to all EV drivers uh, um, that are uh, driving in North America. So, Travis, this is more for you, really. Uh, the the uh, investment, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Biden's in, uh, Inflation Reduction Act included a lot of incentives for EV charging stations, uh, including uh, some, some pretty direct financial support. Uh, the original Department of Energy regulations on that called for a CCS standard, but also kind of left the door open with some vague language about other standards as long as there was a, the, the ability to support uh, multiple ways of charging. Uh, does this create any kind of challenges uh, from you know, matching the regulations so you can tap into the, uh, the, the public funds that are available for charging stations? Yeah, it certainly has has made some waves. I would say in the uh, in the community of people that are that are working to dispense that that money across the U.S. So, the <clears throat> the federal rules set sort of the basic core standards that need to be met. Um, the money itself under the NEVI program, which is the the, the one that is most commonly known. Um, it actually then goes to states and so state departments of transportation are creating their own rules around that. And so in some cases, uh, states are already talking about adding the NACS as an additional requirement. So that, for example, uh, they would ask for, you know, an NACS connector in addition to a CCS connector. Um, but, but it's pretty clear that the CCS, which was the most common standard in, in North America up until this point, is still going to be uh, a core requirement. Um, and in response to that, there's been some discussion with different states that have been talking about adding an NACS as, a, as an additional requirement, just because charging companies uh, are, are a bit concerned that until that standard is developed with SAE, which you which you mentioned, um, that it, it, it might create some challenges in terms of getting that money out the door in an effective way if we're if we're asking for NACS before that standard has actually been developed, both on the vehicle uh, on the charging station side and also on the vehicle side. We need to make sure that it works for both sides of that uh, equation. Great, great. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to watch how quickly this developed because the, the, the DOE standards are only, uh, the, 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 the suggested rules are only maybe a month and a half, two months old, uh, and we're already looking at a, a massive market shift. So it's it's going to be a challenge to, to finalize uh, how we're going to deal with this as an industry going forward. 
yeah, there's there's likely to be this period of overlap. And, and as Nathan mentioned, I mean, that's okay. That's something that all of the hardware manufacturers can manage. Um, it's also important to remember that there's so much more to those funding requirements than just that that end connector point. There's a lot of really important requirements there about usability, payment, and also reliability or uptime. So making sure that not only do the stations have the connectors, but they actually work when when people want them. And so so it's it's part of a, a really interesting and evolving package of, of standards that that will determine how successful that funding is. It's great. I, it, it's been funny. I've been uh, the past uh, few months uh, talking to this to various editors around our company. Uh, you can tell the age groups of people when someone always makes the Betamax versus VHS comment, uh, which completely dates us to a certain generation who, who went through these kinds of standard shifts before. But I mean, the industries have, de have dealt with this over the years. Uh, 3.5 inch to five and a quarter inch floppies. Uh, everyone remember the uh, zip drive or the jazz drive and how some of those things uh, survived and some were very short lived. Uh, from the, the manufacturer point of view, is this a matter of VHS versus betas or is this more like a, a Apple's charging standard versus uh, the, the USB standard favored by everyone else? Is it something where they can coexist with some adapters or is there some real advantage to sticking to one standard and, and, and not uh, not moving around much. Uh, yeah, uh, that you know, VHS and, and Betamax is, is a fun uh, sort of analogy to, to think about. I had to explain to my eight year old what a, what a media was because <laughs> everything streams for him. So he doesn't even know what a Blu-ray or a DVD is. <laughs> Talking about VHS and the Betamax to him was really funny. Anyways, I digress. Um, so the, the, if we can extend that analogy a little bit, it, it might be a little bit weird, but it, it, it proves the point. Um, the NACS announcements is, is a connector four factor, like Travis was saying, is the tip of the connector. Now, the communication protocol is actually the same. Um, so Tesla, back uh, many years now, already communicates using industry standard protocols, either power line communication or PWM type uh, communication to our chargers. So they already speak, quote unquote, the same language, it's just the medium in which that the energy is delivered and that communication happens a little bit uh, different. So it's almost like if you had a Betamax to VHS adapter <laughs> that, that that's interoperable between the two, you know, two type of media. Um, but then the information is encoded in the same way and it communicates in the same way. So from that perspective, it might seem, oh, it's a you know, relatively easy change, but it is not because today, as you know, the NACS connector is offered by the cable suppliers that Tesla uses because it's, it used to be a pro, more proprietary uh, connector. And so now more of other cable manufacturers and connector manufacturers have to now produce these um, the connectors. And Tesla's implementation behind the tip of the connector added a bunch of other different things. Like for example, the, the button to open the latch on the door. And then when it's plugged in, the button to stop the charging session. That behavior has not been defined on a GM, on a Volvo, on a Rivian, you know, and on a flow charger and non-Tesla, other non-Tesla chargers. So there still remains to be, um, you know, things after that, that on the software side, Travis mentioned the payment processing, you know, when you plug it in, it needs to bill some, somewhere. While there's also the challenge of, uh, for example, Robert, you might have a flow charging account, you might have a GM a Chevy account, and you might have another account. Well, when you plug in and it magically bills you somewhere, where does it bill you, right? Does it bill you to the flow account, to the GM account? So there is the physical connector, 
Then there's everything else related to that, like the length of the cable. As you know, charge port, unlike Teslas, are a little bit everywhere in a vehicle. Uh, if you have a big vehicle like a Hummer EV, the cable becomes much bigger. Those vehicles, some of them charge at 1,000 volt. Uh, Teslas today don't charge at 1,000 volts, so there's a voltage and current and power considerations. So there's that you know, behind the connector, the physical aspect, and then you have all the software aspect that we mentioned, like the payments and all that, that, that also. So, you know, to, to the VHS and Betamax, um, technology has advanced so much since then. Um, so I would say, yes, there's, there's the connector. Maybe one day there's one connector that emerges as a winner and we will support that obviously in North America. Uh, but then, you know, we're also very focused on the entire user experience, including reliability, which we're, we're obsessed about because you could deliver the best experience, but if it's not reliable, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, and then making sure that from a software and from a payment processing, that everything can be seamless. Um, because when people think about a, the Tesla connector, they don't just think about the connector, they think about that whole end-to-end -end experience as well. As much as there are differences and there are things to work out, you're still talking about electrons flowing into a battery. It's right. just the, the format of it. It's not like, again, going back to that whole Betamax VHS where they're different. You, you could not, uh, the, the form factors were not only different, the, uh, the, the techno underlying technology was completely different. There was no way of playing one on the other, uh, no matter what the adapters are versus this, which is you know, lots of challenges to be worked out. But the underlying technology is similar enough that this is not going to require everyone to go back and re-engineer everything they've been working on for the past decade. Yeah, and we're, we're hopeful that the standardization will happen hopefully faster. Um, so I agree, Robert. And because it's, it has already been deployed on some vehicles and some chargers, I think hopefully the standardization will go quicker. SAE claims, you know, six months. Uh, Charon, which is a leading association with over 320 members, um, they want to also address, you know, the cable length example problem that I was mentioning, the button behaviors. And so they're uh, soliciting input from all 320 members uh, to get input to then help address some of these uh, these potential challenges. Uh, I think we've, we might, some of us might have seen the YouTube videos of, you know, uh, uh, Ford Lightning trying to charge on a supercharger and with the Magic Dock adapter and the, and the, the ergonomic challenges there. So, um, you know, we're very confident those will get solved over time. Uh, I think that's why GM and Ford gave a 2025 uh, timeline um, uh, for, for that, um, for vehicles to offer uh, NACS connectors. Um, and we were committed to being ready uh, definitely before then. And Robert, one thing I, I just wanted to add to that, one thing that is very similar to the cell phone example is there's a bunch of users out there who already are driving around with CCS vehicles. And so anything that governments are doing or looking at needs to make sure that it's it's bringing those people along because they're the early adopters that did exactly what everyone asked which is to you know take a take a leap of faith on electric vehicles and so we have to also make sure that we're keeping them centered even as we're looking for these new makes and models and so for that reason to your point we are likely to be stuck with dual um charging cables or or connectors and adapters of some type for for quite a while 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 those work their way through the vehicle adoption cycle i i bought a uh, chevy bolt earlier this year and like absolutely the vast majority of ev users i charge at home and i i have only used an outside charger once for one i'm i've had the car that long so maybe it's uh, something I'll, I'll start using more often as i see them popping up more uh, but that that's still, it, it sounds like the vast majority is going to be home charging for the time being. Do you see that changing 
as uh, the, the, these investments into charging stations and public places uh, really roll out as we start moving beyond the handful of Walmarts and, and service stations into really getting almost as common as gas stations in the next few years? Um, the most common household in North America is single family detached homes. So we would expect the bulk of the charging to still happen at home. And that offers us opportunities like demand response, right? To try to peak shave the power demands uh, at, the, at various times of day where the utility might have big loads. So that's definitely, I think, will continue. Um, that said, there's also a significant population that are, you know, we would call them garage orphans. They may not have the luxury of having their own garage or having access to, to enough power to put their own residential chargers that charge fast enough. And this is where we have city curbside chargers that we've deployed uh, all over North America, trying to make sure we address their needs. And, um, you know, they are like in Texas, for example, oftentimes people use DC fast chargers as, as, uh, as regular charging, regardless if they're on a road trip or they're, they're just commuting within the city, and just because it's convenient and it's available. So we, we want to meet, you know, the EV drivers uh, really where they're at um, to, to, to solve their driving needs. And Robert, you touched on a really good point too, is, you know, as we know in North America, most households don't stay loyal to one car brand for their entire lives. Or, you know, a lot of um, uh, uh, households have more than one vehicle. I think 1.7 or whatever is the stats for the US. Um, and so, you know, for us, we want to be able to meet the needs of, of all EV drivers again. So, you, you know, um, you, you might be a household that has a Tesla and a Mustang Mach-E. Um, and so you have to be able to charge at home uh, for that and maybe power share between your residential chargers. And then when you're on the road, maybe you want to use the same family account to be able to charge your Tesla and also um, your, your Mustang Mach-E. And then maybe you sell your Tesla and get another vehicle. So, um, you know, for us, the key thing is we want to ensure the best possible experience, consistent experience, reliable experience for your household, uh, regardless of the car brand or, the, you know, the type of vehicle you have at home, on the road or even on the go between cities. Great. Uh, thank you so much for discussing this. I, I guess a, a side question, just a, now that I have someone who's in that charging world, given the speed of demand growth we're seeing in EVs, I think the last survey is more than 50% of North America now are considering EVs for the next vehicle purchase. Uh, what's it like being there from the production side, from the manufacturing side? Uh, how quickly are you guys having to ramp up to, to meet that uh, level of demand for the charging stations to support those vehicles? We're, we're scrambling. Uh, we're working very hard. Uh, <laughs> and and it, it's a great place to be, to be clear. Uh, we'd much rather be in this place. I think, I think you know, our, our mission and our vision is to help address global warming by driving EV adoption. EV adoption is really taking off. Um, and... Um, you know, I think all the tricks of the trade in terms of managing your supply chain and working with partners are applicable. Um, so, um, you know, making sure that you have available replacement parts, make sure that you uh, work with suppliers to plan out a production, um, make sure you can even produce that at multiple locations to be able to address the, the various demands from different regions. And so we are putting all those things in place and um, trying to meet the uh, working hard to meet the opportunity ahead of us. Yeah, one of the interesting features of Flow's business model is we've been vertically integrated basically since day one, which means we have the team that's doing the the firmware, we have the software running the network, um, and and also 
assembling the stations, both in, in Quebec and also uh, our new facility, which is in Auburn Hills, Michigan. And there, there were times in the company's history where people, investors or the media said, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you so interested in, in having that assembly part? Because it wasn't trendy. Um, the NACS issue has really brought to the fore why that flexibility in such a novel emerging industry is very helpful because we are able to simply redesign our stations in order to meet what consumers want. And that that gives us certain amounts of flexibility. Um, and our assembly teams are amazing. I mean, they're able to adapt. Uh, once we get them the cables, they, they will be able to put those on. So it's actually been a great time to be a, an assembler of, of charging stations. And and to Nathan's point, it's it's really dynamic and it's exactly where, where we want to be. Great. Nathan, Travis, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you out there for taking some time to, to listen and learn uh, a little bit about uh, these uh, rapidly changing standards. Thanks for your time. And I'll uh, see you here in two weeks. Thank you. Thanks, Robert.